o'clock on Friday evening. Mama didn't know she's leaving. Did she hear the screamers slamming, rubber squealing, gears are jamming? Local country station just a blare out on the radio. Pick him up at seven and they're heading to the rodeo. Mama's on the front porch screaming out her warning. Girl, you better get your red head back in bed before the morning. Oh, darn. Get out to the uh, Ramoslava It's crazy how Judy got injured the day after he had four drops in practice. It seems once the pressure is put on him, he folds. Maybe this year is different. Man, these drops. I thought he was over that. Hadn't really been a problem the last couple years. That was a crazy thing. He got over the drops. Still didn't produce. Another text that says, Cartland Sutton hasn't been worth spit since he signed his giant contract. Yeah, it's... Had, he, he had... He has... At least the first couple of weeks, he looks like... He has looked better. The best he has looked since his injury. Although, was it not, not the first... Not in the game last week. Mr. Jacobs, preach... Preach, brother. On the wide receiver room, you speak the truth. It was not a solid plan at all, trying to build it up stronger. That's from Derek in Castle Rock. Yeah, it just didn't make any sense to me. It's like, um, and we'll revisit our conversation with James coming up here in about 20 minutes. It's like we talk about, James and I have talked about a lot, this overvaluation of these assets, the Broncos' assets. It's stunning. It's really stunning. And and to, to see the media go off the cliff with the team time and time again is stunning. Like, I, I heard James on a couple times this week, and I just I was like, talk about preach. I actually texted that to James, like, preach. When I hear media continually say the Broncos might have the best running back team in the room. Or a team, a room in the league. Like what? We don't know at all what we have in Javante Williams yet. We don't know how healthy he's going to be. We don't know what level of production we're going to get. Yet I've heard he may lead the league in rushing. Like we already, we're having to manage his carries in preseason. We just we have no idea in him. And then Samaj P. Ryan, who's always been a bit player, all of a sudden. Like, what's all the conversation been about running backs right now? The big topic about running backs is how you're stupid to give money to them because they just, they fall off a cliff as they get older, right? They age. They have really good production, and about that five- or six-year mark, you don't give them the big contract because their production falls off a cliff. But, but oh, Samaj P. Ryan is going to be the exception to the rule. He's going to blow up because he's a Bronco now. He's never been that guy, but, all, but for us, he's going to be that guy. What? Even Javante Williams in his college split time with Michael Carter at North Carolina. Right. That's what uh, James is saying. He's like, Javante Williams has never been that guy. He's always split time. Yeah, and he was second fiddle. He Michael Carter was a first-round pick. So it's like, I, I wouldn't say he was second fiddle. Like, they were, you know. or Well, he was considered the second best right. running back in that system. But. Michael but, Carter was picked before him. But it's, it's, and then listen, we're all rooting for McLaughlin, but everybody's just losing their mind because he's got, what, second half touchdowns against four stringers. Like, just pump the brakes. We go from that 
Two, well, they're the best running back league in the room. And James was like, they might be the worst. If you go to any other, you know, market, they're going to be like, who? So they my clock lane. What are you talking about? Oh, Samaj P. Ryan? Yeah, that's, he's a guy. But, but we just get excited. Like, I was talking about, like, two weeks ago. Oh, Kendall Hinton, his time's finally up. He's finally going to get cut. And now, oh, well, we've lost another wide receiver. Okay, well, look how great Kendall Hinton is. Like, the, the narrative just continually changes. Hall of Famer, Kendall Hinton. Yeah, Hall of Famer. He's in the Hall of Fame. And I agree with James on that. Like, the, one of the most stunning, embarrassing moments in the franchise history, and we act like it's something to celebrate. But you literally had to start a game with an, without an NFL quarterback. Because the league wanted to rub your nose in the pile of poo like a dog. I don't know how John Elway just didn't say, we're not playing. We're not taking the field. If you don't give us a quarterback, it's dangerous. We're not playing. I don't care. You're not making an example out of us. We're a proud team with a proud history, and I'm one of the best quarterbacks in the history of the league. I ain't doing it. I don't know how he didn't do that. Because it's an embarrassment. I don't know how we're celebrating. Oh, hey, look, look at this. Um, Dan, I cannot understand why Cecil believes so much in Mims at wide receiver. He was hurt his last year in college and hurt during training camp. I feel it's all about fantasy football, not about full analysis all the time. Derek at Castle Rock. Well, hey, man, you can believe in potential, I guess. Like, well, I, I, we haven't seen hardly anything out of Mims during camp. Like, he's been, you haven't heard a peep. You can believe in potential, but only for so long. Like, we're still talking about potential with Jerry Judy all these years later. And people still, he's not even on the team anymore, and I still hear the words K.J. Hamler coming out of people's mouths. He's never done anything, and people still talk about him. Aren't the Broncos, let me see this real quick. Aren't the Broncos wide receivers the highest paid group in the NFL? Uh, I, I I heard that the other day too. Um, I think they all. I I, I uh, Colin, can you look that up? Dan, whatever Mike Tan- Pan- Tannenbaum is smoking, I would really like to know what the strain name is because uh, the way he's talking sounds like he's stoned out of his mind. Seriously, ESPN should start drug testing these guys for the crazy dumb stuff recently said about Broncos. That's from Jory S. Yeah, listen, man. Russell Wilson, if you want to say, hey, he could be benched because you want to say something incendiary, because, yes, technically he could be benched, right? Like I, I was saying before. He might be benched if, he, if, if, if the season dovetails like last year, which is a possibility. Sure. But you know what is also, also a possibility? Something I've said. He could come out and have a great year. He could come back and be Seattle Russ. I don't think it's likely, but it could happen. Like for a while there, or, or for the most part, everybody has said there is zero chance that Russell Wilson could come out and be the way he was. And you know what? He can. It's possible that he is. He accepts the coaching, and there was a blip, and he's done some introspection, and he comes back. 
and he's a football player he was before. That's possible. I don't think that's going to happen, but it's not like it couldn't happen. And also, he could be the player he was last year, and he does get benched. That could happen. What I don't think is very likely to happen at all is a remote possibility is that at the very first sign of trouble, which, let's be honest, could very well be week three at Miami. I think they're going to have trouble in that game. Okay? So, let's say there's a sign of trouble in that game. Let's say Garrett Ball struggles because he's playing on the road, um, and by that time... Uh, Javante Williams is having some trouble with his knee, and he doesn't adjust well to the altitude. And um, the rest of the offensive line is struggling, and they don't have any wide receivers to play at an elite level. And, man, things are not going well in that game. And then Russ doesn't respond well to the adversity. Do I think that Russell Wilson will get benched? No, I don't. Here's why. Have you seen the backups? Jared Stidham has been terrible. And what coaches don't like in week three of the season, because once you pull that cord, there's no going back. You've seen it happen. And coaches like Sean Payton know when you're putting in this quarterback and that quarterback and this quarterback, when you have one more than one quarterback, you have no quarterbacks. And I understand what Mike Tannenbaum was trying to say that 30 years ago, Bill Parcells won a Super Bowl when he was flip-flopping Sims and Jeff Hostetler. That, yeah, it happened one time 30 years ago. It's not likely. It's not your best practice. It's not something that you want to bank on. It's not. So, it's something you really want to avoid. And Parcells, Parcells had an issue with Phil Sims. And you're not going to do it in week three, even though you're likely to have some signs of trouble in week three. Okay? Because when you bench Russell Wilson in week three, the rest of the season is going to be a mess. So, no, I don't think it's going to happen, even if they struggle in week three. Because you know what? They're not going to go undefeated. There's going to be signs of trouble in any loss. And the very next week, you know what? They're on the road again. And if you believe DMAC, they're probably going to lose that game because the great Justin Fields is going to be quarterbacking that game. And and they got Aaron Rodgers after that. And the resurgent Jets. Like, there's going to be trouble this year. But the other thing about old school quarterbacks, or quarterbacks coaches like Sean Payton, dude, they're stubborn. They don't give in, and they stick with the old veterans because they always believe those guys give them the best chances to win. So here's the deal. I generally have a pretty good beat on things like this. Sean Payton is going to stick with Russell Wilson until he believes that Russell Wilson's shot. He is not going to pull Russell Wilson, barring injury, until they're ready to give up on that contract. Until he's like, nope, this guy, he's done. He doesn't have it. And I believe that we're going to win more games with Jared Stidham or maybe Ben DiNucci. I I mean, I honestly don't know the analysis right now that they have uh, for that number two role. Everything that I've seen is Ben DiNucci is actually better than Jared Stidham. But 
again, coaches get things in their mind, and, and they may actually – he may just – coaches get stuck on guys, and so they, they may actually believe that Stidham's better than Danucci. I don't know. Stidham has not looked good in this camp. But, no, that's not a move. And you saw it last year. Like, there, there was a time last year when Russell Wilson should not have been playing. Absolutely. Where it was pointless to be playing him. Right? Where you could have spun it a certain way, whereas, you know, he's injured and this and that, and it's, it's this time to shut him down. And it's not like, okay, we're giving up on him, but it's like, hey, man, we, we for the benefit of the player and the organization and our investment, we need to shut him down. We're way out of any sort of contention for competitive reasons. We're shutting him down. Like, he should have been benched last year. Could have said that. So, but um, they're not going to, Sean Payton's not going to, at the first sign of trouble, this Parcells thing from 30-some years ago, this one instance, they're going to do that. And, you know, I know that with, you know, he went from, you know, Bledsoe to a young Tony Romo who ended up being the franchise quarterback. I believe that, you know, maybe he's talking about that too. I believe that was Parcells that went from, you know, Bledsoe to Romo. But, you know, it's a difference in believing you have your guy as opposed to I'm just going to go willy-nilly back and forth between mediocre quarterbacks. Like, you know, these coaches, they're not going to do that unless they think they have the answer. So, no, I just don't see that as a realistic possibility. They need, as an organization, they have to, you are going to have to be 100%. They have a $250 million, a quarter billion dollar investment in this guy. I'm sorry, you don't just treat him like Case Keenum or Trevor Simeon. You don't. Because you know what? What, what, what's it going to be, $80, $90 million you're going to have to eat over the course of two years? If you get it wrong, if, if you give up on them? So, no, you're not just yanking them. Plus, plus, Sean Payton is still going to want to win every game he can. Like, that's the way these coaches are. They're not just like, all right, well, I'm going to torpedo the season in week three. It's just not going to happen, man. It's just not the way they're wired. All right, coming up next, for those of you that missed it, it was a very um, very polite conversation we had with James Merrillat. Uh, we only had one little disagreement. It was pretty much over Garrett Bowles. But for those of you that missed it, we'll bring um, it back for you, our weekly conversation with denversports.com, the big boss of denversports.com, James Merrillat. All right, we welcome into the program, as we do each and every weekend on the Dan Jacobs Show, probably the most anticipated segment every single week on the entire station is when we welcome in the favored son of the fan, James Merlat. Welcome into the program. Good morning, Dan. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Are you coaching football today? I am. We have the uh, season opener for my uh, son's sixth grade team. I'm the uh, I'm the, I'm the head coach, so it's a big day. Yeah, I, ha- I have some anonymous sources that said you're actually a very good coach. Oh, well, that's nice to hear. Uh, we'll find out here in a little bit, but um, 
you know, I do my best. Are you more uh, Sean Payton um, old school or more like uh, Coach McDaniel over in Miami? Ooh, that's a good question. I'm probably more old school. You know, when you're pushing 50, I, you know, tend to do old school kind of things. But, you know, we don't do Oklahoma. I don't run kids till they puke. You know, we we run a pretty up-tempo spread offense. So I think I'm somewhere in between. Okay, okay. Um, let's start it off. Uh, Randy Gratishar. It's about stinking time. Um, and you are pushing 50, so you, you may actually have some on-field memories of him. Let's talk about Randy Gratishar. I definitely have on-field memories. So I remember watching that 1977 team in the Super Bowl. That was my first memory as a child. That's as far back as I can go. Um, watched him play for several years after that. I remember where I was when he had the 93-yard touchdown interception return against the Browns that bounced off Tom Jackson's leg. Um, one of the best middle linebackers of all time, phenomenal in short yardage. Nobody could come over the line and meet the running back in midair like Randy Gratishar. Great, great player. So why he's been overlooked this long is beyond me, and it's what drives me nuts about the Hall of Fame. Of He hasn't played it down in 40 years. So why is he, you know, now all of a sudden he's a Hall of Famer, but he hasn't been for four decades. It's silly. And fortunately, this one's going to get done in time, but it drives me crazy when Kenny Stabler goes in the year after he passes away. It drives me crazy when Red Miller goes into the Ring of Fame after he passes away. It's just it's a shame. It just shouldn't go that way. So, um, fortunately, they're going to get this one right, I think. It seems like it's at rubber stamp uh, point now, so that's a good thing. But uh, well-deserved, a great, great player. And the fact that of the first 74 teams that went to a Super Bowl, the 1977 Broncos were the only team without a Hall of Famer is a joke. That's finally going to get rectified. You know, the thing that really, the only reason I'm really upset about it is because, you know, otherwise, hey, they're athletes. They got their time in the sun and it's a Hall of Fame. It's an award thing. I really wouldn't care except for these guys played, they sacrificed their bodies and they played at a time where they didn't make enough, like some of these guys had to work at, you know, car dealerships and stuff in the off season while they were playing. And so they weren't rewarded enough financially after they were done. So let's just say like Carmelo, for example. Okay, he wants his, his, his you know, jersey retired or whatever. That's, well, that's just an ego thing, right? But for these players of this generation, if they would have got, you know, for Randy Gratishar, for example, making it to the Hall of Fame, which he should have been in 30 years ago, financially, and it would have had a real impact in his life. He deserved it. And these, I guess, writers just really screwed him out of the rewards and, and the, the the benefits of going into the Hall of Fame. And I think that's a travesty. And I, I shame on them for doing that. And they have a responsibility to know what comes with putting somebody in the Hall of Fame. And if they can't understand that, they need to walk. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm, I don't know that anybody's ever done a study on it, Dan, but I think it'd be fascinating to see what is the economic impact on an individual being in the in the Hall of Fame. And look, the current guys, if you made $100 million, I don't know how much that's going to impact your post-career earnings. Right. It probably would help with, you know, being a broadcaster or whatever, but it's, it's not as important. But, you know, back in the day, in the 70s and 80s, great players like Randy Gratishar were paid well, but they were they made the kind of money that, 
I don't know, a lawyer makes, a doctor makes, and it's for a decade. It's not the kind of money where you and multiple generations of your family never have to work again. And it would have been a big-time benefit to him to be Hall of Famer Randy Gratishar for the past 30, 35 years. And, and the other part of it is, if he'd have played in Pittsburgh, he would have been in five years after he retired. Dallas, New York, any of those kind of places. And it's just, it's so amazing to me that these people who are supposed to know the game and supposed to be um, scholars of it are still blinded by the bias of East Coast and big market and, you know, those traditional teams. It drives me crazy. And now you're getting to the point where, you know, if you're not going through senior committees and stuff like that, most of the voters never thought guys like Randy Gradish are play. No. So it, it, it's almost impossible for them to accurately grade it. But he should have been in a long time ago. He's as good as a lot of the middle linebackers from that era, the Jack Lamberts of the world. Um, so it, it, it would have benefited him to be in there earlier. But, hey, at least he's going to get in there at some point and have um, some years to enjoy it. Well, anybody that's run into Randy Gratishar, and he's run into a lot of people. He's 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 affected a lot of people. He's been out there in the community for so long. But anybody that's done that um, in the last, I don't know, thirty years or whatever, no, just know what what a nice guy he is. And um, uh, so, congratulations to him. That's awesome. That you know, it's it was a good feeling for everybody in this community to know he's finally getting in. So, hats off to him, right? Yeah. When I um, was working for the team, we did a game day cover. So this was two thousand two. It was the twenty fifth anniversary of that Super Bowl team. And we gathered, you know, whichever, however many of the players were still here in town for a photo shoot. And it was probably 20, 25. That's a pretty good number. And Randy Gratisher was there. And I had my dad come down with me to the, to the shoot. And, you know, he was, what, 30 years old when that team went to the Super Bowl. So for him to get to meet guys like Randy Gratishar and, and other players on that team was, was really cool. And he could not have been more gracious and nicer and just friendly. So a uh, super... A uh, person, a great player, and a well-deserved honor. Yeah. Um, now, James, here's what I always say. You know, James, you and I agree on about 90 95% of things, and I always appreciate that because I think you and I look at things from different angles. But it's my job. I, I kind of take it with a, a real sense of responsibility. It's it's usually my job to hold you accountable on things. When, okay. you, when you get out of line sometimes, you know, you're just out there sometimes, and I have to hold you accountable. Is this the 5 to 10%? Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. But I'm listening this week, and, like, every time I happen to hear you, I'm like, man, James is making a lot of sense this week. Um, so I don't I don't know what I'm going to come at you with, but, for example, the running back room. All I hear, all training camp is, wow, this phenomenal running back room, and I'm just shaking my head. I'm like, wow. And then, finally, James Merrill has the curse to say, what did you say this week, James? Well, I said it's a pretty pedestrian room. I, I think it's arguably the worst running back room in the league. Uh, it is the epitome of overinflating your own guys. I mean, Javante Williams coming off a major knee injury when he was a pretty good back before that. Everybody acts like he was, you know, Clinton Portis. He wasn't. He had 203 carries, 903 yards, and four touchdowns his rookie year. That's a nice year. It's not Mike Anderson. It's not Clinton Portis. It's not any of those guys. Now he's coming off of a major knee injury. It's like, Okay, well, we'll see how he plays. Samaj P. Ryan's a career backup for, you know, multiple years. And Julio McLaughlin is an undrafted rookie free agent. I think he should start because I think he's got the most upside and he's got the home run hitter ability. But that group is pedestrian to the nth degree. 
And I hear all these people saying, oh, they don't, they don't need to acquire anybody. Our own Zach Lazarus has a column today at denversports.com, and he calls that room great. And, and I'm just, you know, we're going to have to respectfully disagree because I just don't think there's anything great about it. There's not a guy on that in that room that would start for another team in the AFC West. And they probably wouldn't start for 20, 25 teams in the league. That is a group that needs an upgrade. There's a reason they were attached to Dalvin Cook rumors. There was a reason they're attached to Jonathan Taylor. They need an upgrade at that position because they have a bunch of guys. They don't have a star. They just don't. Well, and I like there was some stat you had about, you know, because I've, I've even heard, you know, one point they're talking about, you know, I think it was Zach By talking about Javante Williams could lead the league in rushing. And then, you know, you, you had a stat, I think it was yesterday about, Name the time he had X amount of carries or whatever. To, going back to college or even high school, like like Javante Williams has always shared carries. I, do you remember what the stat was? It was Matt Smith going through Jonathan Taylor game by game. And last year's season opener, it was 21 carries, 82 yards. And he said, well, isn't there a guy on this roster who could do that? My point was, well, find me how many games that Javante Williams had 21 carries or more. He's always split time. He's always platoon. They brought Melvin Gordon back for a reason. The Broncos aren't idiots, right? They're like, hey, they, we have to have this be running back by committee. At North Carolina, it was running back by committee with Michael Carter, who's with the Jets. He's not a workhorse guy. He's a, he's a guy who has a great ability to break tackles, but not a guy who can carry the ball 20, 25, 30 times a game, week in, week out. He just can't. They don't have a guy that can do that. If Samaje Piram was that guy, he would have had that opportunity in the last five or six years. So that part of it is just laughable to me. And then I love the stat. It, it, to me, it's a made-up stat. He had the most broken tackles in the league. Okay, well, what, what qualifies as a broken tackle? If I touch your shoelace, is that a broken tackle? Do I have to wrap you up and you shed me? Like, what is it? And it's like, okay, well, who led the league in making guys miss with a juke? Right? Like, that's valuable, too, and there's no made-up stat for that. It, but it's just one of those that, man, the group thinks Broncos uh, media at times just takes something and runs with it, and that's the talking point you just hear over and over and over and over again. He led the league in broken tackles. Quantify that for me. What does that mean? I, I, I just I have no idea what a broken tackle means in terms of measuring it as a stat. I can watch a game and be like, yeah, he broke that tackle. But did that one count? Did the other one count? I, I don't know. So, yeah, the, the Javante Williams overinflation, overvalue in this town is, is kind of comical to me. And I think he was a really good player. And saying he's really good somehow comes across as a knock. And I remember I was on with Zach, and I compared him to Mike Anderson. I think they have a very similar type of a game. And people took that as an insult. It's like Mike Anderson rushed for 1,500 yards and was his offensive rookie of the year. Like, that's a compliment to be compared to that guy, but he ain't TD and he ain't Clinton Portis and he ain't Floyd Little, the three best backs in the history of this franchise. And to act like he is, it's just, it's just being silly. Yeah. And, um, we've talked about this, the overvaluing of assets and it's the exact same thing with Jerry Judy that, Oh, this is the year that he's just going to explode as if he hasn't had a history of drops, which is now, jumped back up and he as if he hasn't had a history of injury which has now jumped back up it's the same story over and over again but for some reason the media was like oh no that'll not happen again that's guaranteed it's gonna be fine and what did you say when tim patrick went down i said you need to learn from the mistake they made last year when they didn't go out and 
bring anybody in and thought the guys in the room would step up. They can't make the same mistake two years in a row because heaven forbid what happens if Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton go down. Now it's the worst receiver room in the, in the league. Well, here we are. So they're going to go into the opener with Cortland Sutton, Marvin Mims, and Brandon Johnson as their top three guys. Uh, okay, that's pretty scary. But I'll tell you a stat that's amazing, Dan. They have the most expensive wide receiver room in the NFL, the most expensive. They have a combined one Pro Bowl, and that was Cortland Sutton in 2019 prior to his knee injury. I mean, it's it, that's hard to do. So that's another group that is way overvalued, has some potential. But, man, for them to have sat on their hands after Tim Patrick blew out his Achilles was a mistake, and now here they are thin before the final preseason game even gets here. It's a very pedestrian skill position roster until people prove me otherwise, right? Like tight ends the same way. Greg Dolfich, Albert O, Adam Troutman. I mean, a bunch of guys that if they were on any other team, if they weren't playing in Denver, you wouldn't know anything about them and you, you wouldn't take them to the 12th round of your fantasy draft. It's just, but they're here. We talk about them all the time. So we act like all of a sudden they're. You know, Riley Odom, Demarius Thomas, and Terrell Davis, and it's just not the case. Well, here's the latest one, right? All I heard at the beginning of camp is, oh, Kendall Hinton's gone. He's cut. He's cut. He's out of here. Blah, blah, blah. It's finally over for Kendall Hinton. And what I hear yesterday, oh, Kendall Hinton's amazing. Actually, Kendall Hinton. So they'll just go down the line and overinflate the guy that two weeks ago was nothing. And, you know, they're doing the same thing with Albert O. Uh, you know, Albert O was the greatest thing in the world. And then as soon as Sean Payton didn't like him, oh, he's gone. And now that he's having a couple, you know, a week or two, oh, Albert O is great again. All right. I guess it's DMAC. DMAC loves him some Albert O. Maybe makes a team. I have nothing against Alberto. We'll just see how it shakes out. But they will just go down the line and continually overinflate whatever it is instead of just saying we need to get better. Like like you said, learn from well, your yeah. mistakes and just you know, Sean Payton is not overvaluing yesterday's news because he's not, he has no investment in it. Yeah, and the Kendall Hinton story. Everybody you know is in love with the story that he started the COVID game against. Face. It's like it was a disaster. That's embarrassing. I don't know why everybody looks back on that fondly. It was a mess. Um, it wasn't like Tom Maddy with the Baltimore Colts back in the day coming in and winning a playoff game when he's a running back to play quarterback. Like, okay, that's a great story. So the Kendall Hinton thing, though, people need to just go back to, and I don't remember which game it was, Dan. I could look it up. It was like week 13, week 14 last year when all the receivers were banged up in their second half of the game. Russell Wilson's out there throwing the balls to Brandon Johnson, Kendall Hinton, and Freddie Swain, and there's nobody that can get open. There's no separation. Like, there are guys that are fringe roster guys. They're practice squad guys. Again, I don't mean that to be insulting. I just mean that to be like, let's have an honest evaluation of the talent on this roster. We can't act like that's Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson and C.D. Lamb. It's just it's laughable. And when you look at what Russell Wilson had to work with Throughout his entire time in Seattle, and especially at the end there, with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, come on, there's nobody on this roster close to either one of those guys. There just isn't. Here's an interesting narrative that seemed to just pop up in the last couple days, uh, which I don't agree with, but it's like this dark turn that now all of a sudden the Broncos are done and they got to rebuild and maybe they're going to cut Garrett Bowles, which I wouldn't necessarily be, I, I wouldn't disagree with if they could save a bunch of money. Um, I mean, is there a big difference between him and Cam Fleming? I know you've been kind of a Garrett Bowles guy in the past, but do you think that's realistic that they're going to cut Garrett Bowles? If they, if they cut Garrett Bowles, they're waving the white flag before the opener, right? They have plenty of cap space. 
So yeah, there's it's positive financial, but we're going to get a jersey double zero and put cap space on the back. That who we're going to go down and root for? Like, what well, is can you point? roll it over? I keep hearing this year after year after year. All cap space, cap space, cap space. They can roll it forward. They can roll it forward. They can roll it forward. Well, great. At some point, you got to use it. Garrett Poles is one of the five best offensive linemen on this team. It's not even close. It's not as though there's a young player behind him who's better, and you got to find a spot for him. So the only reason to move on from Garrett Bowles and play Cam Fleming or Isaiah Prince is money. I think if you're making decisions for money when you don't have cap problems, that's sending a very bad message. You're waving the white flag and you're just saying, hey, we're just doing this as an evaluation year and we want to save some money. Money should be no object when you have the richest owners in the league. The salary cap is something that can be manipulated and maneuvered around. So that would be a mistake. And I don't think Garrett Bowles is a top five tackle in this league. But he's in the top half, so until you have a better option, you can't move on from him. You, you just can't. The right tackle position is a big enough worry. Left tackle, for all the problems Garrett Bowles has had here with the holding penalties, which gets overinflated. You have 11 holding penalties in a 16-game season. That's less than one a game. Big deal. I, I think that they're, for the most part, since he's been here, we've never had to worry about who the left tackle is. We haven't. It's like, okay, it's Garrett Bowles. Move on start worrying about all the other spots. I think that's undervalued. Well, it's a little bit now, like James, kicker. I will I will push back on that. Like the, a little bit like kicker. No, it's it's like he's. They were inopportune penalties where they killed drives oh. and they couldn't get points. And the level of play at left tackle, you didn't have to worry if he was going to be in the game, but you had to worry about like what he did when he was in the game. He wasn't good. What, what, remind me of the the play where he got dominated and beat, and the quarterback got killed. He had eleven holding penalties or whatever it was in sixteen games. Like. I don't think that's as big a deal as everybody else. When your offense stinks and you got Case Keenum back there and you can't you can't turn second and fifteen into a first down, yeah, it becomes uh, exaggerated and it's a bigger issue. But it's not as though he's Ty Sembrilo out there giving up four sacks to Vic Beasley and the offense has no chance and the quarterback's going to get killed. We just haven't had that game. We haven't had that game where it's just getting dominated by the opposition and the quarterback's getting killed. We haven't. It just hasn't. It doesn't exist. There's a, been a penalty game, the Bears game, which Stink was calling, where he had multiple holding penalties, but that's uh, yeah, the, the exception. I think he's had games, too, where he just he just gets dominated, and, and maybe it's not blindside like the guy who's knocked out of the game, but he just – no, he's, he hasn't been good, James. Like, that's, you know. That's, I, I, again, I can tell you the, the tight Sam Brilo game, it was Paxton Lynch's start against Atlanta here, like week three. I can tell you that one. What's the Garrett Bowles game where he got dominated? Nobody has it because it, it hasn't occurred. That's, well, if he I went back and looked, game. that's like gotcha stuff. That's what, you know, all right, well, if you can't name it, that's like uh, that's like uh, DMAC saying, well, if, uh, Rockies fans that are going to coming out in droves and paying money, but if they can't name the, this player, uh, then they're, they're not a Rockies fan. It's like, no, no, no. If you just I, can't say that he's been dominated but not be able to provide an example of when he got dominated. Well, I'd have, because you just put me on the spot. Like, if I went back and said, all right, let me give me time to go look at the tape, I would. Because I do remember vaguely, like, oh, yeah, man, he's killing us. Like, what the heck's he doing? You know, and if you okay. just look, if you just look, James, you would agree that Teddy Bridgewater almost died on the field. The offensive line has not, play has not been good. And that the offensive line play has not been good, even dating back to the Super Bowl years. The offensive Agreed. line play has been terrible, and left tackle has been a part of that equation. Agreed, but it's been the least of the problems. 
Uh, I, I don't think it's been the least of the problem because a big okay, part, well, a big part, in, of, they haven't brought in nineteen left tackle. A big part, well, because they they because they suffer what we were talking about earlier. They overvalue their asset, and they're like, dude, we spent a, a first round pick on this guy, and John Elway doesn't want to be wrong, and so we got to. And then it was like, do we even pick up a fifth year option? Well, he played just good enough during COVID. I guess we should do it. And the contract wasn't that bad because he did play well enough. I mean, it's just you know they're doubling down on their bad investment, just like they do under John Elway, and just like they did under Paxton Lynch. So then they you know, miss out miss out on Josh Allen. Like they, you know, they've been bad in the front office. We know that. All right, there, there's no debate about that. I would agree with you on that. They've, they've missed a ton of picks, but I, I think Garrett Bowles is adequate, above average. Do I think he's worth the kind of money they paid him? No, but I think, again, he's the least of their problems. Okay, real and quick. Real, real quick, because I, I need to get you out there, Coach. I need to get you on the field. Oh, but i got to get your, I got to get your response on this. Tannenbaum, who, of course, is one of the worst GMs in NFL history, but Tannenbaum comes out. Saying he'd be what he say. I'm gonna be shocked if Russell Wilson isn't benched by the end of the year. Uh, yeah. Give me a break. Yeah. Listen, he may he may get benched. But for who? Tannenbaum, who are they, who are they gonna we bench him sit, for? Right. Exactly. We've watched Jared sit him every day in practice. We've watched Ben DiNucci. I I just don't know how bad it would have to be, Dan, for him to get benched. The only thing I could see is it becomes a point where they're out of it. And they're like, heaven forbid he gets hurt, and then we can't get, we can't release him, and we're stuck with the contract, right? Because he's injured. That may be the only reason he gets benched because they're out of it late, and they don't want to have him a lot of need week sixteen or seventeen, and all of a sudden they're stuck with that contract. So, aside from that, I don't, I don't see it happen. Yeah, no, I, yeah, it's, he doesn't know what's going on here. It was, uh, it was no, good, good fodder, but crack me up. All right, James, all, all I ask is this. Just one time when you're out there with the kids coaching, when the chips are down and things look bleak, just one time you look them in the eyes and you say, just go out there and win one for Dan. I will. I'll and give them the Dan Jacobs speech tonight. <laughs> win right. one for the Danner. All right. Hey, man, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate it, Dan. So it was fun. after shooting at Oklahoma High School football. A teenager has died and two people were wounded after being shot during a Friday night high school football game in Oklahoma in which police officer also fired a weapon, authorities said Saturday. Two people were injured while fleeing the scene. The 16-year-old boy died of a wound suffered in the shooting during the third quarter of a Friday night game between Choctaw High School and Dell City High School, according to the statement by Choctaw Police Chief Kelly Marshall. The boy was not a student of either school, according to Marshall. Let's see, does it say anything? Um, did not announce any arrests. It's believed that an argument started between at least two males, which led to the shooting. Two guns and eight rounds were recovered at the scene. Two guns. So, yeah. Interesting. Marshall said a 42-year-old male man was hospitalized in stable condition with a gunshot wound to the chest, and a young female was treated and released. Hmm. Man, what's going on out there? Wasn't it just two, three weeks ago where um, 
uh, Keep Tlaib's brother got uh, convicted for after yep. his shooting from the high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sad, sad times. Just must, just uh, not good, man. Yeah, thoughts to the families. Yep. Uh, let's see what else we got here. I've been listening on and off today, but every time I tune back in, I hear nothing but the truth, even from James. Great stuff today, Dan. Well, thank you. I and I appreciate you guys. I um, yeah, I got some bad news last night. Um, I, you know, my my best friend. I didn't know how I was going to feel today. I my my best friend growing up it was a, a young man. Well, at that time he was a young man. His name was Sean Buck. Um, I I just found out last night he had passed away. Um. He had been sick with cancer. He had, he'd been sick for a long time, actually. Probably it's one of those things where, you know, it, you beat it, but then it comes back. But it was a it was a thing where he had known for probably, probably like, I don't know, it's a, a pretty tough thing. Like, you know you're going to die, right? But he knew for probably three or four years he was going to die, but they never, every time I talked to him, and when I say talk to him, you know, we were like talking through instant message. Um, it was like, well, they haven't given me an expiration date yet. And so it's one of those things where you're just trying to trying to make as many memories as you can and try and, you know, be as spend as much time with your kids as you can and still go to work and still provide. And, you know, so that that had been his life for the last, um, I don't know, probably three, four, five years. I don't, I don't know specifically how long. You know, when they were like, yeah, you know, it's back. The last few years it was back, and he, and he knew he was on, you know, you know, borrowed time, so to speak. And, um, I, you know, I'd, I'd reached out to him, I think it was in January, and I said, how you doing? And he said, well, you know, I'm still, he had, he had a good attitude about it. And I'd say, and he said, well, and I'd, he lives in Montana, and a couple of years ago I was like, I had to go see him out in Montana but I don't want to go to Montana because <laughs> you know? he's more of an outdoorsy guy. You know, he's like a sit around the campfire, have some brewskis and, and, you know, maybe go four wheeling and stuff. And I don't want to go outside in Montana, man. <laughs> you know? And so I had said, uh, but he said, you know, I want to, I want to get out camping, you know, because by now he knew he's like, I want to go outside camping one more time. And I had said, uh, why don't you, why don't you bring the fit? Cause he had remarried and he had some younger kid, you know, stepkids now. And I said, why don't you, why don't you, would you come to my place in Steamboat? I bet you kids have a good time. There's, you know, has a lot, you know, it's good amenities and the pool and all that stuff. You guys have a good time, you know, and just everything's on me. Just, just make sure we, you know, make time for me to just go to dinner, you know? And he says, yeah, I'd do that. I'll do that. And, um, and I got to thinking, you know, I hadn't heard from him and the summer's almost over and, but, you know, that was his plan to, go, you know, make sure he, he, he got these last memories in the summer. And I just, I really hadn't seen him on Facebook. And um, so I thought, well, let me check, man. And and he's gone. You know, he actually been gone for a, a couple months. I just never saw it. You know, it never popped up on my feed. And I lost track. And I was like, dang it, man. So I, I didn't, that didn't hit me till about, uh, I didn't see it till about 1030. And, I, you know, I was didn't. And I woke up this morning and I was like, oh, you know, I didn't know how things were going to go. But thanks to you guys, um, I feel, you know, I was in a good mood during the show and stuff like that. So, oh, it happens. You especially, you get older and it happens. 
Yeah, you know, you know, working with Irv, people are dying all the time. I'm like, Irv, how do you do it? He's like, ah, you just got to keep moving, Dan. So, um, but thank you guys for, you know, helping me um, get through the day and things like that. And we'll, we'll keep moving. I appreciate you guys. Colin Zanker, I appreciate you. We'll appreciate you, Dan. Yep. We'll watch the Broncos and Rams. Hey, listen to Chad Andrus. Get you through the uh, fan football postgame show starting at the two-minute warning. We'll see how the Broncos do tonight. And that's it. We'll get another couple weeks, and we'll get the Broncos Raiders. Josh Jacobs will be back. Thanks to everybody for listening. I appreciate you guys. I do it. Uh, help me get through today, and we'll see you tomorrow for the easy, like, Sunday morning edition of the Dan Jacobs Show, where we, too, will be discussing the Broncos and Rams' final preseason game. Save me now from this misery.